Amen. We welcome you back. We're going to be in Acts chapter 10 this morning. Uh, Today will be kind of our final message in Acts, and then we are going to shift to Palm Sunday next week. Uh, It'll be a family service, and then um, the following week will be Easter, so that's always a a fun time. For Easter, we're going to have no kid will go home without candy. It'll be an exciting time. We'll have a photo booth back there. It'll be a fun day, so looking forward to that. Uh, Acts chapter 10. So, and I, I think I did f- miss a few announcements. The, the camps, we've been announcing that, so the, the money just needs to get in before ap- April 15th, which is coming up here real quick. So, uh, that first $50 needs to get in there. So, all right. So, let's uh, look at the book of Acts. We've been working our way through that. Um, last week, we were in Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, in fact, the last two weeks, we were doing that, looking at the ministry of Peter. Uh, we... Uh, we looked at Saul's conversion, and then we looked at Inus and Dorcas. They both were healed. Uh, one is Dorcas is brought back to life. Inus is um, he is healed from being crippled eight years. So we looked at those things. And then uh, we look at the ministry of Peter as he goes on now from Joppa. How would you like to be from the city of Joppa? Doesn't that sound like Star Wars? I think it sounds like Star Wars or something like that. Anyway, he's from the, he was staying in the city of Joppa. Uh, by Salmon, uh, Simon, they were not Salmon, Simon the, the Tanner, all right? And uh, he was living there for a time and a season, and they come and get him, and they're going to take him to Caesarea, all right? So, in the book of Acts, the promise is there in Acts 1-8 is that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world, right? And so as you read through the book of Acts, you see that progression take place. So it has spread in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost, and then it gets out to Judea. Even today, what we're talking about is still part of the, the exterior, the fringe of Judea. And then we see that Paul will take it to the uttermost parts of the world, to what is now modern-day Turkey and Greece and Athens, all right? And some of those places. All right. And so then as one progresses through, you see that. And uh, uh, Chris has a map there just of Peter's ministry. Um, You can see that here. Jerusalem, he ends up in Lydia and Joppa. There's Joppa. And then he's going to end up in Caesarea, which is about uh, 31 miles as the crow flies up to Caesarea there. All right. Let's see what God has to say to us in his word this morning. Let's bow our heads in prayer, and we're going to begin in verse 1 through 8. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word this morning, and we pray that you would make it come alive. It is the living word of God, and we invite it to come and change and transform our lives today. We ask this by your Holy Spirit, and in the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Acts chapter 10, verses 1 through 8. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius. Cornelius was a centurion that was known as the Italian regiment. All right? So uh, he was centurion means over 100 people, 100 soldiers he was in charge of. 
He and all his family were devout and God-fearing people. So they weren't Jewish people. He was a Gentile, but he had this reverence and respect for God. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day, about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord, he asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. A couple of Simons in the story. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. That almost sounds like it could rhyme. All right, when the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier one of his attendants, who was one of his attendants, and he told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. It's kind of an interesting story, isn't it? You have Cornelius, who is this uh, man of authority. He's respected by all people, it seems like, by the Jewish community and also by uh, the Roman community. And he is a soldier. Not all people that were in that trade were all good people. Okay? And not all of them definitely were God-fearing. Um, Caesarea, as I said, was about 31 miles away. He was a man of influence, Cornelius was. He was in charge of these men. And he is known as what we call a God-fearer. A God-fearer was a Gentile that had a faith in God and maybe had observed some of the Jewish customs and their faith, but they hadn't uh, been circumcised, and of course they weren't of, of Jewish blood, all right? And so they were known as God-fearers, and that is who Cornelius, he falls into that category. And I mean, he was very devout in his faith. He believed in God, but as we'll discover later, he had no knowledge of the good news of Jesus or how to be saved. So he has this belief that there is a God, and he, he does his best to worship God and to be generous, but he doesn't know about Jesus and what Jesus did on the cross. And what we need to catch here, I, I believe, is that there are people around us who are seeking God and that are searching for the truth. They sometimes just don't know where to look for it, right? It was true in, in Peter's day. Peter and Cornelius were only 31 miles apart. And Cornelius was hungry for God. He had some knowledge of God. He wasn't totally in the dark. He had some knowledge of God, but he wanted to know more. And he didn't know where to look. And I think there are people, I know there are people in our communities that are seeking. It may be the person across the street. It may be the person that we work with, um, a fellow student. You know, Denise was describing a conversation she had last night just with somebody that came into where she was playing music. And um, I think maybe she's seeking the truth, just doesn't know if she's in the right place. People are seeking the truth. Um, and what I see is that I believe that God uh, is, is pointing them towards us. People are seeking truth. God and they're seeking for truth. They may not always be looking in the right places. They may not always be looking in the right events in their life, but I believe they're searching for the truth. Uh, in that movie, The Je Jesus Revolution, that is one of the common lines in there is that 
they're seeking the truth, they're just looking in the wrong places, right? Cornelius was actually looking in the right place. He was actually looking uh, to the God-fearing people in his life, and he was following their example, and he was respected by the Jewish population. It'll bring that up here later. But I believe there are people that are seeking God that are right around us. Sometimes we may not, they don't always walk around with a sign on their forehead or above their head that says, hey, I'm seeking for the truth, right? It's not always the case. But I think if we keep our heart open to the leading of the Holy Spirit, God will allow our paths to cross with them. So you may ask if there's people that are seeking God outside our church walls, how can we find them? I think that's a great question. How did Peter find Cornelius? So let's look at verses 9 through 33. It says, About noon... Okay, now we're talking about Cornelius. Now we're going to shift to Peter. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up to the roof to pray. So as these men from Cornelius, the two servants and a soldier, come towards Joppa, Peter went up on, his, on the rooftop to pray, which was a common way they built their buildings there. They would have a flat roof. Peter goes up there to pray, and he, be, he became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He goes into, a, not a food coma, but he goes into a trance, right? And he was hungry. And as he uh, fell into this trance, he saw heaven open and something like a large sheet let down to the earth by four corners. It contained all sorts of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Yeah. He's hungry, right? He's hungry. But there was a problem. Verse 14, Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. So the issue was that some of the animals that Peter is showing are animals that would be considered unclean. Maybe it was pig, all right? Swine, right? All right. We, uh, we slaughter a bunch of them just south of our town, right? But for the Jewish population, pork was considered unclean, right? And some of the reptiles, right, um, they were considered unclean. If you go into Leviticus, you can see the list of foods that were considered clean and unclean. And, and so some of the, the foods that are being presented to Peter are unclean. And Peter, being the good Jew he is, says, Lord, you know me, I'll, I'll never eat what is unclean. But God says, get up, eat, kill and eat. And so Peter is perplexed, right? The voice spoke to him a second time, says, Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. Verse 16. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back up into heaven. While Peter was wondering what the meaning of the vision was, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. And they called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. And while Peter was thinking about the vision, the Spirit of the Lord said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. Get up and go down. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to them, I am the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, We have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and a God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. An holy angel 
told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could come and hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. Now, we're assuming that these people are Gentiles and they're invited into a Jewish home, all right? And uh, that is not forbidden in Scripture and neither is the opposite, but Jewish tradition said it was, all right? The next day, Peter started out with them. And some of the believers from Joppa went along. So that's important to note. Peter goes, but also some of the believers from Joppa are going along. So you have kind of like this caravan. The following day, they arrived in Caesarea because it is a 30-mile, 31-mile walk. Now, I don't know how long it takes you to walk 31 miles, but that's a little bit of a journey, isn't it? Cornelius was expecting them and called together his relatives and his close friends. All right, he had invite cards like this for Easter, right? And as Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I'm only a man myself. And while talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. So that was custom. I don't see anywhere in the Old Testament where that was forbidden, but it had become their custom. And so by Peter going into his house, it was like breaking Jewish customs. And him being a good Jew, he didn't want to do that. You following that? Okay. Verse, but God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? Verse 30. Cornelius answered, Three days ago, I was in my house praying at this very hour at three in the afternoon. Suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me. So if you want to know what an angel looks like, here's Cornelius' account of shining clothes. And said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer. Remember your gifts and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He's a guest Um, in the home of Simon the Tanner who lives by the sea. And so I sent for you immediately and it was good for you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Wow. You ever had God do that for you? I believe, second point is that I believe God still orchestrates divine appointments. Amen? In Acts 8, we see God lead Philip to Samaria and then to a governing authority, the Ethiopian eunuch. And now we see that in in the life of Peter, a couple different occasions where he has these divine appointments. Last week with a crippled man and a woman that um, he prayed and brought back to life. And now here we see that God was orchestrating everything for Peter. All Peter had to do was follow and Walk through the door that God had opened. Amen? Walk through the door that God had opened. And and God even gave Peter the vision to prepare his heart because God was asking him to do something that was not only out of his comfort zone, but against something that he had been taught since he was young. Traditions. And God was saying, hey, my vision is for the Gentiles just as well as for the Jews. 
And that, you know, when we read Scripture, you know, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We read that. You know what? And they had heard that from Jesus, right? The disciples. But it didn't process into their mind that, you know, when God says He wants to reach the whole world, that also included the Gentiles. You know, and we, we could look at that and think, man, that's just, man, they just really had a thick head, right? But even in our culture, there's times we say, oh, maybe God is, He wants to reach the world, but He wants us to reach the people that are like me. Really? God wants to reach all, the whole world, all people. And, and, and so we have to sometimes adjust our paradigms, our beliefs, our customs to step out of those to reach the people that God has called us to reach if He's opening up the door, amen? And it can be a little bit, um, if you've been to another country, all right, where the customs are different, you know, we can go and operate in our communities and we maybe think nothing of it. It's just what we've been raised with, all right? Um, for some people here, um, maybe you grew up in another country and this is different for you, right? And so you are looking at things differently there, all right? But if you're in a different country, it, it, it's a little bit awkward, if you want to call it, to, to maybe even go to the grocery store or to talk with people because you don't know what they're going to, am I going to say things the right way? Am I going to do things the right way? Am I going to, you know, be stupid, you know? Um, it takes, it takes some, some courage to do that and some confidence. But as Peter followed the leading of the Holy Spirit, he finds himself in a large house full of people hungry to hear the good news of Jesus and how Jesus had died on the cross. And I think sometimes we can make being a witness a little more complicated than it is. When we boil it down, it's witnessing is telling others about Jesus with the boldness or the confidence that comes through the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And the message is simple. Jesus is the, our Lord and our Savior. He died on the cross for my sins, for your sins. That's the good news, Right? You don't have to make it much more complicated than that. You confess your sins, you believe in your heart, and you ask Jesus Christ into your life and follow Him. And God, I believe, is faithful to give us the courage and the boldness that we need through the Holy Spirit. You know, does God still do that today? I believe He does. Um, a few years back, it hasn't been that long, uh, I was invited by another pastor in this community, and he said, hey, I want you to come. We're doing a men's breakfast. We have a men's breakfast once a month. I want you to come, and I want you to talk about the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is a church that doesn't embrace the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I don't know if they would throw you out. It's just nothing that they would teach. And, and, and so it's kind of like, I just, I thought, is this a trap? <laughs> you know, um, and so I went there, and you know what? It was one of the most beautiful experiences I've had as I sat with these men, and some of these men are, you know, they're involved in the, businesses of Crete and uh, influencers. And I just got to sit there with, with the pastor and they just asked me questions about the Holy Spirit. I told them what the baptism of the Holy Spirit was and how we saw that. And it was just a, gr a great opportunity 
that God totally set up. I had nothing to do. All I had to do was just obey God and, and share what he'd placed within my heart. And I believe that God will do that for us. First Peter 3, 15 through 16 says, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do it with gentleness and respect, respect keeping a clear conscience so that, you, uh, that those who speak maliciously against you, your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. But be prepared, right? That means we have to know the Word of God. We have to be filled with the Holy Spirit, but to trust God and to go through those doors that God opens for us. Now, that was a positive experience. I've shared with the youth a few times where I, when I was in, uh, I think it was early high school, if I remember recalling my memory. And my best friend and I, were we went out opening day of fishing. So back in those days, I don't know if North Dakota has year-round fishing now or not, but back in those days there was fishing season ended and then it opened up like that first weekend of May. And so we went out, we slept in a pup tent by the Cheyenne River, and then we went out fishing that morning. And, and one of our classmates who was, um, he just wasn't part of that social, you know, he was just a little bit on the outside. And, and, and w kids picked on him because his hair was oily and it just probably wasn't in the best home environment. But he, he was out there fishing as well that morning and he, he just kind of, just it caught me off guard, it really did. He just says, hey, Brent, you're different. And I don't think he meant because I had antennas on my head or anything like that, right? I, and he wanted me to talk just about my relationship with Christ. He knew there was a difference there. And I don't know what I said. Um, I don't think I expressed it the way I wanted to. And it was just, it was a good, God had set it, it all up for me, but I wasn't really ready to walk through that door that God had opened for me. I believe God will provide those opportunities. And I, I think the good thing about that is that I, um, on Facebook, I think I've seen him and he's married and I think he's serving Christ. I don't know to what level, but, you know, God does work in his ways. And there are people outside our church doors that are seeking him. And I believe he's going to allow our paths to cross. Let's finish this up here. Verses 34 through 38. Then Peter began to speak. He says, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. And I think that was a pretty big aha moment for Peter and it would be for the Jewish people. But accepts from every nation, so that's where we got our title this morning, from every nation, the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know that what has happened through out the providence of Judah, beginning in Galilee after the baptism of John preached. And now God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit. So they must have had some knowledge of the events that had taken place and the power. And how he went around doing good and healing all those who were under the power of the devil. Because God was with him. Verse 39, we are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on the cross, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. And he was not seen by all people, but witnesses whom God had already chosen by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. 
Um, it says that I think on one occasion 5,000 people saw him. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and of the dead. And all the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And here's the cool part. And while Peter was still speaking, he hadn't even gotten to the altar call yet, these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter, so they're the Jewish believers, were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles. How did they know that they had been filled with the Holy Spirit? For they heard them speaking in tongues, other languages, and praising God. Why tongues? I, you want my short version on why tongues? Why it is a sign of just the infilling of the Holy Spirit? Because it's a reminder of Acts 1.8. You will receive power to be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, to all people, right? And it's a reminder that God is equipping us with His Spirit so that all people from every nation will hear the gospel from every nation and tongue. That's my take, all right? Then Peter says, surely no one can stand in the way of them being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, so baptized in water. And then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days to disciple them. The final point here is that God will honor our obedience. And I, I just think this is just a powerful story. Peter goes, he shares what the message of the good news of Christ. I don't think it was... Anything elaborate, he just shares who Jesus is, what Jesus did on the cross. And the people were hungry. They were waiting. And, and they don't even wait for the altar call response. Peter doesn't have to do anything. I mean, God just pours out his Holy Spirit on them. And it was, a, it was an opening moment, eye-opening moment for these Jewish believers because they realized, you know what? God's accepted them as part of the family because they're, he's filled them with the Holy Spirit as well. And what's unique about this occurrence is that, is that their salvation and maybe their infilling of the Holy Spirit are pretty much happening at the same time. Where most of the other occurrences of, of that happening in the book of Acts, they're saved and then they're filled with the Holy Spirit later. It's pretty hard to tell the difference here. But as they opened up their hearts to receive, God not only saved them, but He also filled them with His Holy Spirit. It's a pretty cool moment. So not only were they filled with the Holy Spirit, but God was also sending a very strong sign that all people are part of my family, Jew and Gentile, slave and free, young and old. I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all people. That's the promise of Joel, right? I'm going to have Denise come, Abdil. As we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, I believe that God will reward our obedience. I don't think God, I don't see God opening up a door for us and then we step through that and we obey Him and then He goes, ah, I got you on that one, right? That's not God. When He opens up the door, be obedient and let Him do what He's going to do, right, through us. You might be amazed what God will accomplish through your humanness, through who you are. We're all human, right? Some of us are more gifted in other things than other people. God's not asking you to be them. He's asking you to be you, who He's called you to be. 
And if He opens up a door for you to share Christ with the world around you, or maybe it was just that one person, step through that door. Allow the Holy Spirit to flow through you. There's a great book that was published a few years back. It's called Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby. Anybody read it? Um, What I like about that and what the premise of the book is about is that Jesus did what he saw his father doing. So that's mentioned in the Gospels, that Jesus did what he saw his father doing. In other words, the Holy Spirit, as he prayed and he sought God, the Holy Spirit would lead him. And so he just wouldn't go off on his own and say, hey, I'm going to heal this person. I'm going to raise this person from the dead. He followed what he saw his father doing. He is working in orchestration with the Father, hand in hand. And so the challenge of the book is to to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and to try to join God in what He's doing. Sometimes we want to go out there and we're going to do our own thing. And the challenge of the book is, say, join God in what He's doing and how He's working in your community, in your school, in your family. Join God in what He's doing. Amen? You know, Cornelius had influence with the Gentile population, with the Jewish population. And as he saw God, God had a plan and a purpose for his life. I believe, we, we don't know the rest of the story, but let me just kind of elaborate. I feel like God would use Cornelius to be a lighthouse, to just to be a person of leadership in Caesarea. For how long, we don't know. But I believe that he furthered the kingdom of God there as he received the good news of Jesus and was filled with the Holy Spirit along with all the other believers there. I just have my notes here. You know, on this uh, prayer card, I hope you have a variety of people there. Maybe the person you think You know, you should have at least one person on there that this person could never be saved, all right? Have that person on there because we've covered that in the last few weeks. Simon the Sorcerer. Man, there's a lot of Simons in the book of Acts, isn't there? Simon the Tanner, Simon the Sorcerer, Simon Peter. Simon the Sorcerer, he was the most unlikely person to be saved, but God saved him, right? So you need to have that person on the list, all right? But also a person of influence, like a Cornelius. Do you know a person of influence in your life that just is respected by people, but maybe they don't know Christ. Maybe they're even a good person. Maybe they just don't know the whole truth and all that God is doing in their life. Put them on your list. Amen? I think of Paul. Yeah, he was an unlikely person to be saved as well. But God saved him. Amen? Would you stand this morning? We're going to close with a closing song. But I want to lead us in a prayer of salvation, but also just a prayer that God would just fill us, He would fill me just with His Holy Spirit. Amen? This is one of the, as people were filled with the Holy Spirit, this resembles a little bit of Acts 2 where they were just praising God and God filled them. Other places, you know, the apostles would place hands on them, they would be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, that didn't work for me. Well, it kind of did. I had a lady pray with me in a prayer room at the Bible camp. But 
I think for a lot of people, maybe they're just at home worshiping God and all of a sudden God just fills them with the Holy Spirit. The boldness, maybe with a prayer language uh, that they didn't understand before. But it's just a sign that God's presence is there. Amen. So let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, you said that if we call on your name, you would hear us. You died on the cross for our sins. And then you resurrected Jesus from the dead so that we could have hope, that we could have that promise of the resurrection and eternal life. Lord God, that's not that hope isn't just for certain people, it's for all people. And if that's us today, Lord God, if we make that our prayer, God, you are faithful to cleanse us of all unrighteousness, to purify us, make us whole, and that we can be with you in heaven and paradise. Lord God, we give you the thanks and the praise, Lord God. And Lord God, for the rest of us here today, Lord God, we are your people, we are your vessels, Lord God, and you've given us the promise of the Holy Spirit. You said that if we call upon your name and just that you would be more than willing to give us the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so, Lord God, fill your people with your presence. Lord God, because... Um, We need your power. We need your boldness. We need the leading that comes through the Holy Spirit. And so, Lord God, fill your people with your spirit. We want to see some of the things in Acts become a reality for us. But, Lord God, in order for that to happen, we have to be a people of the Spirit. And so, Lord God, come and fill your people with your presence, with your spirit. Jesus. So as she leads us, will you just raise your hands this morning? Just... Reach out to God and let Him fill you with His presence today. Amen. Amen. Father, this morning, fill us with Your presence and with Your Holy Spirit. And Lord, as we've been going through the book of Acts, just even just lead us, Lord God. and. All I know is that most of the churches across our nation still have room. They still have room for people that are seeking you, seeking after you. And Lord God, in our community, Lord, there's there's a lot of churches, Lord, but there's still a lot of people that just are out of relationship with you. And Lord God, um, give us a heart for them. Let us be led by your Spirit. And Lord God, just let us hear your voice where you're leading and directing our work in our communities. Lord God, prepare hearts to receive the gospel. We give you the thanks and praise. Go with us this week. Fill us with your hope, with your power. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you this morning.